0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning. I'm going to read some scripture to us all and you can either keep your eyes open or close them, but just let it sink in, allow it to provide maybe some orientation for where we're going this morning. Uh, you may, might also think of faithfulness, king, holy, glory, some words that you might keep in mind while you hear this. This is taken from Genesis chapter one and it's from verse 26 to 31, if you wanna follow along yourself. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning,
1: the sixth day. Uh, Good morning. Yes. Yes. Begin in the beginning, so if you have a Bible, uh, turn to page one or scroll tap, whatever you need to do to get to page one of the Bible if you need a Bible, uh, there's one on your phone somewhere on Google. Uh, we are going to be talking about we're going to be talking about beginning in the beginning. Uh, about six or seven years ago, I was working at a church, and I was wanting to grow in the art of preaching. I wanted to learn how to give sermons better and to do this better and to be more effective. And there was a guy that was giving a conference. He was out of the Midwest, um, out of a big growing church in the Midwest. His name is Rob Bell. And he did a conference on how to preach better sermons. And I thought, I want to I go to this conference, but it was like in Chicago. So I just watched it on video, uh, which was still really helpful. Well, Rob ended up... Uh, Leaving that large church, there was about over 10,000 members at this church. It was the fastest-growing church in America at the time. And so his preaching was very compelling, and I wanted to learn from him. So he moved out here to Laguna Beach, and I actually got to meet him, and, and we became friends, and we spent a couple years together before he moved up to L.A. And one of the sessions was that he talked about in this preaching course was, where you begin the story matters, And he said, it's really important to begin the story in the beginning. Now, it makes perfect sense, but we've been in this series, What on Earth Am I Here For? That's the question. You may not know that we've been in a series, but I feel like sometimes as congregants, you don't always realize there's like some continuity to, (laughs) to the things that are being said up here. But we've been in this series, What on Earth Are We Here For? Or What on Earth Are You Here For? Or Am I Here For? And it's a great question. It should have us thinking. It should have us dialoguing. It should have us asking questions, searching the Scripture. What am I doing here? It's a great question. And if we're going to answer that question, it's really important to begin in the the beginning. Yes, you're with me. So I'm going to borrow many, many ideas and words from my brother Rob. So if anybody's listening online, this is full-on plagiarism. But the reason I am is because I think this is very important for you to hear this. It's it's This could change the way you look at your life, the way that you read the Scripture, the way that you understand what on earth you are here for. Okay? Are you with me? Now, normally I have a, a list of fun places we're headed, and this morning is no different. So let's go. At the beginning we have... Uh, we. K- uh, dashah and then radah and Kabash, this, um, this is America. You're not in the wrong plane. Uh, it's all right here. It begins here. Revelation. It ends here. Making sense of sin. Shalom in the home. The eighth sign. Three verses one. Manchester in Egypt. And it matters here. That's where we're going. You guys ready? I am going to stick to my notes because otherwise there's no way we're getting through it. Now in the beginning... Genesis 1, it starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then we get to this next slide, Genesis 1, verse 11, then God said, so there's, there's this God, he says, let the earth put forth or produce vegetation. So now this is written in a culture where it was very common to worship the creation. Okay, we had sun gods, moon gods, rain gods, corn gods, all kinds of gods, right? This is... This was the culture back then, very common. So, But the Bible begins with this beautiful poem because how can you explain the beginning of all things except through poetry? Uh, it's not like there's a Wikipedia page. You know, there's God spoke it into existence. Yeah, but what did that look like? How did that happen? It's, it's poetry. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we read that in Genesis chapter 1 that he made the earth in such a way so that they're distinct. God is distinct from the creation, there's a creator, and there's a creation, and the creation isn't to be worshiped. This is like a giant leap forward in human consciousness for the time. Let, let the earth put forth vegetation, and the creator endows the creation with the ability to create more of itself, right? That's that first word, dashah, if we, if we have it here. Dashah, to sprout, to grow, to shoot, to turn green, to cause, to shoot, to, to break forth, and so it wasn't just that, they, that God said, I'm putting a tree here, 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 here. It was that he put trees that were able to make more trees and plants that were able to make more plants so the earth could produce more of itself. You follow me so far? So the earth was dynamic. It wasn't static. It was changing. You'd go to bed and you'd wake up the next morning and things would be different, Right? And then humans are set down in the middle of this, this dynamic creation, and they're given the task to steward it, to have dominion over it, to rule over it. And it's headed somewhere. Things will have grown when you go up, when you go to bed and you wake up the next morning, things will have changed just a little bit. So the creator set up a situation where everything is properly ordered. You have the creator, you have the creation, and then you have have humanity in the middle of it, co-creating, ordering, stewarding shepherding the creation along okay so that's this is genesis 126 so that they may rule be fruitful multiply you know what that one is fill the earth and subdue it these words here if i think in our next slide here this rule rule or have dominion is the word radah or subdue is kabash. you heard that word i'm gonna put the kibosh on it right that's i think that's like more yiddish but uh but there's this ordering of creation. There's this responsibility that humanity has. You've been given this thing that the, that, the, that, that the creator has put down creation and they have endowed it with the ability to create more of itself. And here you are to name and to order and to take responsibility. And that word subdue actually can mean to tread upon, to explore, to walk over, to, 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 to mark out a path. So much going on here. So, and then, as we had, uh, as we had Colin read in that from that gigantic Bible uh, that he was holding. I don't know if you noticed, but it was huge. Um, <laughs> I felt insecure. Uh, mine wasn't. It's not quite as impressive. Um, so you have this man and this woman. You read about in the fir- that, that male and fe- female. He created them first. If you read in Genesis one. Gender emerges simultaneously. So you have these co creators. He created humankind in his image, male and female, he created them. And they're given this responsibility to participate in the ongoing, dynamic, changing growth of this unfolding and beautiful earth. And then we read at the end of verse 31 that God saw it all and it was very good, very good. And there's this harmony in the hierarchy. My friend Rob likes to say, if, if uh, at any point the humans try to be God, that's not going to work. And if at any point they begin to worship the creation, that isn't going to work either, okay? There's this harmony in the hierarchy, everything in its right place, as you heard from Radiohead at the beginning of our time together. Uh, so n- next slide. Then God blessed them, verse 28 Barakah, Baruch, to bless. God blessed them. So here we have this. We have have soil and earth and dirt and blood and bone and sweat and air. And they're united. The heavens and the earth. The heavens begin from the bottom of your feet and move upward. The heavens are what the earth is hurtling through. At so many thousand miles uh, in an hour around the sun, those are the heavens and the earth is where we are. And they are one. In Genesis 1 and 2, the beginning, there isn't somewhere else. There isn't some glad morning I'll fly away. There isn't somewhere I'm trying to get to. It's all right here. This is very important. Soil, spirit, spirit united. You with me? It isn't that God created the heavens and the earth, and then there's this other realm that you're actually really trying to get to. You follow me? It's all right here. Okay? Now, in Genesis 1 and 2, it's all right here, and it's sacred. And I would argue all the things that you love about life are right here in Genesis 1 and 2. Beauty, aesthetics, appreciation of form, Relationship, partnership, companionship, worship, exploration, the treading upon, the organizing, the naming, the learning, the responsibility, the creativity, the making things. It's all right here in Genesis 1 and 2. Everything you love about life is here. This is how the story starts. This is how the story Begins in this next slide here, and and it starts here. Now here's something to here's uh, here's here's something else to consider here. Uh, Genesis one and two, we should go back and now look at you know all the way to the end of the story. How does the story Genesis uh, Revelation twenty one and twenty two? And let's just look at this in verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "See the home of God." Is among mortals. He will dwell with them as as their God. They will be His peoples, and God Himself will be with them. Here's some more from the from those chapters. Death will be no more. Pain will be no more. Cities, but there will be cities. There will be nations. There will be rivers. There is a tree of life. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And at one point, Jesus or the, uh, the one on the throne says, see, I am making all things new. So somehow the end is also a new beginning, and that's confusing, but that's what we have at the end. So it starts here, <laughs> and it ends here. And, and it's hard to think about that, because uh, in the end it says, you know, the, the, you read about there's a new heavens and a new earth. Uh, But this is a call back to the prophet Isaiah, chapter 65, verse 17, for those of you that really wanna know. See, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. I might think of uh, this next slide here. I might think of Paul's words where he says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation is here, is here. The old is gone, the new has come. So you may consider yourself in Christ. Many of you love this verse, right? Are you still there? It's the same language. The old has passed away, the new has come, and yet you are still here. You follow me so far. This is a major leap and a different way to think about how this story ends, how the story began. The story ends here, next slide. So the story starts here. the story ends here. The descriptions of the end of the story are very physical, very material. There's water, there's trees, there's a city, there's nations, there's thrones, there's people. It says they will reign, which is a call back to Radah and Kabash. They will rule, they will participate. So the story starts here with everything ordered. And at that point, there isn't somewhere else where we're supposed to be. And the story ends here. And at that point, there isn't somewhere else where we're supposed to be because God is Here, dwelling with mortals. So, it starts with a garden. It ends with a city, and a city is a bunch of well-ordered gardens. (laughs) So, even if you remove if you remove uh, sin from the scripture, you would have a pamphlet. It'd be a lot, you know, less daunting. Um, but if you take sin out of the scripture, you would have Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 2, 1 and 2, 2, 21 and 22. Okay? But let's, let's back up. Genesis 3, because we know where it starts and where it ends, so making sense of sin. Now, in Genesis 3, the order that was here was disrupted, right? Uh, what we would call in Genesis twenty one and 2... Is shalom, peace, wholeness. It's this multifaceted word. It sort of it's nuanced. It defies an easy definition, but in Jewish consciousness, it was in the way we would talk about it is mostly harmony, peace, wholeness, completeness. Uh, is this word shalom? And in Genesis one and two is a beautiful picture of shalom and shalom in multiple uh, ways. It's there's this peace, this health. This wholeness pe- between people and their creator, God and humanity. Between people and other people, there's peace, wholeness, health. Between people and themselves, right? There's literally like, they're literally comfortable in their own skin. Literally. At the end of Genesis 2, it's that the man and the woman were naked and unashamed. So there's this wholeness between themselves. And then between people and the creation, there's this proper earth care, right? Now, shalom gets disrupted and sin enters the story, right? And what we have is a disruption of shalom. Um, So, ways that you can think about uh, sin is a disruption. Um, What are the ways in which I have disrupted the right ordering of things, And I think what I was taught so much growing up was that I started out as this disruption, like I was born into this sin. And so, if you start start in Genesis 3, it has some major repercussions for how you think about your life. Um, But sin could be thought of as I'm disrupting the natural order of things. I think most people would be willing to admit that. Most people aren't willing to to just come out and say, I'm completely flawed and an abomination. You know? (laughs) But I think most people would argue, yeah, I've probably like contributed to some of the disruption. And sometimes I've put the creation before the creator. I've put things out of order, right? You might think of it as a rebellion. Um, Rebellion against the harmony of the hierarchy, right? So I think of like um, substance abuse. Um, We're looking for the creation to do something that only the creator alone can do. We're looking for this thing to fill us or to satisfy us in a way that only the creator can Um, or participation in what you could ask the question in what way have I participated in the order of death that is in this world in the order of destruction of tearing down what is sacred and holy Um, or there's the old um, the Hebrew definition of uh, it's an archery term of missing the mark sin enters the story in Genesis 3 but next slide Here's the thing, Genesis 3 is not how the story begins and Genesis 3 is not how the story ends, is it? No, thank goodness. And yet, there are some major implications for living a life that grounds itself in Genesis 3. And here's here's some of these things. I want to go to the, uh, I think it's in the next slide. This story that we live in. This, this story is about God's renewal of all things, restoration of all things, and reconciliation of all things. Matthew 19, 28, that's Jesus, the renewal of all things. Acts 3, 21, that is Peter talking about the restoration of all things. And Colossians 1.20 is Paul writing about the reconciliation of all things. That word all things in the Greek, ha panta, it actually it, what it actually means is all things. All things. The renewing of all things, the restoration of all things, the reconciliation of all things. And what you see here is that things had to have been ordered in such a way in the beginning to have this prefix of re in front of all these words. It's not the newing of all things, it's not the storation, it's not the conciliation, it's it's happening again. The story is it began somewhere and then it's. This thing entered, the pro- this problem entered, the sin entered. And of course, a big part of the renewal, the restoration, the reconciliation is removing the sin problem, but it takes its proper place in the larger story. It's not the whole story. It's not where it starts. It's not where it ends. So, uh, next slide. If you begin the story in Genesis 3, then the primary problem and the way that you will order your life is around the removal of sin. We have a sin problem and we got to get rid of it. If you begin in Genesis 1, then you order your life around the restoration of shalom to bring things back to the order. That's how it's ordered. It's not all about somewhere along the line Sin came in, and so now i got to get out of here. No, it's that now we get to participate in the reordering. If you begin in Genesis 3, much of what will be talked about is what you're not. You are not whole. You are not perfect. You are all these things. You are an abomination. You are full of sin. That's an evangelistic method sometimes. What we need to do is get out there and let people know how sinful they are and how much they need God. (laughs) Hey, it's nice to meet you. I just want to let you know that uh, you're full of sin and headed to hell. Um, (laughs) Really? That's your good news? What's what's your bad news? I just bought a house. I was feeling good. You know, uh, if you start in Genesis 1, then it is ordered around what you are, which is this co-creator. Part of the creation that gets to order and subdue and name and learn and take responsibility and explore and tread upon and create and multiply and fill. If you begin in Genesis 3, then the, if that is the, the beginning point of your story, then, the, then you start to order your life around getting out of here, this disembodied evacuation plan. It's about leaving this place to get to that other place, Right? That's the some glad morning I'll fly away. And, we, and the thing is, is it's really, it preaches. That stuff preaches. Because we're in a world where things like Manchester and Egypt and all these sorts of things, these terrible things that happen, uh, cancer and suicide and you name it, it's all here. And so we just think, we've got to get out of here. We've got to get out of here. But if you begin in Genesis 1, then it is participation with the creator and the ongoing creation and the unfolding, the dynamic world that we live in. So, see, if, if you've been listening to me preach for the last several years, I hope that you've got, just been able to kind of sniff out that I actually think here is really important. That I, I believe that there is a kingdom here unfolding. That how you live here. Is important, But if you've been hearing messages your whole life and at the base, base, baseline of it, you can sense and smell that the preacher actually thinks the action is somewhere else. You start to pick up on that, right? So you've heard this great teaching about how you ought to live your life and then tacked on at the very end in the last two minutes is, so if you want to get to somewhere else, do this real quick and you're like well what was all that stuff at the beginning for if i'm just trying to get somewhere else or you heard a really great sermon but then it was critiqued at the end while well, he didn't give the gospel which was this tack on at the end that tells me how do i save my soul and get it to another place you follow me here If you've heard something very powerful and you weren't told how to evacuate this place with your soul, you felt like you were shortchanged somehow or that other people got shortchanged because that lives in a story where it only starts in Genesis 3 about getting out of this place instead of Genesis 1 where this place and that other place are one place and Revelation 22, 21 and 22 where this place and that other place are place are one place, and it's here. I want to go into John. Uh, John wrote his gospel later than the other other writers, so he had some time to craft and think and do all sorts of cool literary things. Uh, he, He does what many people that study this book consider seven signs, and in John chapter 2, he turns the water into wine. That's the first sign it says. In John chapter 4, he heals the official's son. And there's the second sign. And eventually, they stop, he stops writing about the numbers because he wants you to pick up on it. Uh, in chapter 5, there's the healing at the pool. In chapter 6, he walks on water. In chapter, later in chapter 6, there's a the miracle of the multiplication of the bread. In chapter 9, there's the healing of the blind man. And then we get to the seventh sign, uh, where he raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, seven is a number for Jewish culture that would bring back a remembrance. It would mean something to them, uh, regarding what? Anybody? Creation. Creation. Seven would remind them, that number would remind them of creation, God's complete week of creation. And then we get in John chapter 20 and chapter 19 and 20, and this is, uh, if you have a Bible, I'd said go check this out. But what's interesting in the book of John, who he takes all this time at the end of chapter 19, verse five, or the, in at the end of the book in chapter 19, verse five, you have Pilate at Jesus at his execution, Pilate saying, "Behold the man." And I hear what I I think I hear what John is saying when Paul when he records this. Behold the man here on Good Friday is the truly human man the sixth day of the week, Friday. And then Jesus' last words are, it is finished. And what we read in in Genesis 2, in Genesis 1, God finished the work and it was very good. He says, it is finished. And then that's the first week of creation. And then John invites us to see Jesus' rest in the tomb on Saturday as God's Sabbath rest. The end of the first week. And then John chapter 20, it says twice. It begins, it was early, the first day of the week. John's not messing around in verse 19. He says it again. Again, it was evening, the first day of the week. He's not wasting words. He wants you to see there is a new week. And Mary comes to the tomb and she meets Jesus in the garden. The garden, come on, this is like, let's go back to Genesis 1, creation in the garden. And she make, mistakes him for the gardener. <laughs> read it if you haven't read it. you got to read this is like, it could not be more exciting. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, this is what? This is like, come on, guys, get the picture. There's, there's something happening here. Which in an important sense, he is the gardener. He, this is the new creation, This story is about Jesus' resurrection bringing a new creation right here in the midst of this one. That's what resurrection is. It's a new world dasha bursting forth, sprouting in the midst of this one. Comes with the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. There is a new creation hidden right here in the midst of this one. So when you listen to a sermon, you should be picking up the whole story in Genesis 1 where there was shalom, where heaven and earth were one, where there was no disruption of the hierarchy, where everything was ordered, where it was all very good. And obviously, overcoming sin is a big piece of the story, but it takes its proper place. And eventually, we are able to get back to the physical participation, the ongoing creation, the rivers, the cities, the streams, the tree of life, and it involves you. Now, I want to touch, um, not on the next slide, but I want to touch on this idea, the issue of the world, because I think this gets misinterpreted quite often. Uh, I often see, uh, there's these stickers, you may have one on your car. N-O-T-W. It's okay if if you have it on your card. Not of this world. Um, It's a brand, but it comes, it's a Christian brand, and it comes with this idea is I'm not of this world. And Boog preached on this a few weeks ago. Um, We talk about being, you know, I just want to be in the world and not of it. (laughs) It's like these old Christian cliches that have been circulated. Um, But it's talking, when it says this world It's talking about a particular world. It's talking about the world that is in rebellion to the creator, okay? It's talking about a world that is disrupting the shalom, the peace, the wholeness, whether we have worshiped the creation instead of the creator or tried to put ourselves at the top of the hierarchy, okay? So the world in which you're not to be comfortable in, the world in which you are a alien or a foreigner That is the world that is disrupting the shalom. Do you follow me here? It's not that there is some other place that you're trying to get to. It's that that place is here in the midst of this one that that you are to live in as a citizen, as a representation. Our story is not rooted in getting out of here, but engaging here. Not in evacuation, but in reclamation. Not in leaving, but in staying and overcoming. The story is also about the anticipation of when heaven and earth are one again. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, so your citizenship is in heaven. Heaven is where God's future is being stored. It's where the oneness is being stored, and it will come. And we are to live now as citizens of that reality in this place. When we forget our citizenship and when we forget the proper order of creation, things like Manchester happen, things like Egypt happen, things like the Syrian refugee crisis happen. If you're not familiar with what happened, there was a Ariana Grande concert where a bunch of people were killed. In Egypt, a bus was gunned down over 20 people and in Syria if you're not familiar with what's happening in Syria I don't know what to do with you Uh, (laughs) but it's bad Um, not everybody reads the news that's fine it you know it's not a criticism but this is the world in which you live and in the world where you have an opportunity to reclaim and restore and renew and bring life uh, the next slide, my friend Rob, he says this, he says, we shouldn't be surprised when grace, beauty, meaning, order, compassion, truth, and love show up in all sorts of unexpected people and places because it always has been God's world, it is God's world, and it always will be God's world. Amen? Oh, you know, they had this like moment of where they really got it, but I'm pretty, I don't know if they're actually a believer. Are they created in the image of God? Yes. Is this God's world? Yes. Did he create it? Yes. So I love that we sang like a Mumford and Sons song where people would argue that, well, I don't know if those guys are really saved or not. But there's, there was like this beauty and this truth in that, in that refrain that we sang. I love that uh, we could begin our time of family or, uh, you know, greeting one another with a, a song from Radiohead, everything in its right place. <laughs> this, is, this is God's world. Uh, when, when I said we shouldn't be surprised, I was, I, if some of you may have watched, and uh, Colin pointed this out to me, uh, at the memorial for Manchester, the band Oasis comes from Manchester, you know the song Wonderwall? Yeah, my wonderwall. I'm sorry. Uh, they're all standing, and all of a sudden, this woman starts to sing one of Oasis's songs, which is "Don't Look Back in Anger." Do you guys know that song? I, I, it took me a second, but when I started to hear her sing it, I, I, I started to get it. Uh, and the Guardian quoted her. She says, "I love Manchester." And Oasis is part of my childhood. Don't look back in anger. That's what this is about. We can't be looking backwards to what happened. We have to look forwards to the future. And it's like, we don't need to be surprised when these kinds of things show up after a tragedy like that. Because this is God's world, and we are created in his image. And I'd say a large part of our story here is opening people up to that reality just opening their eyes and showing that the story begins in Genesis 1 and it was ordered and it was good and it's going to end in Revelation 21 and 22 and it's going to be ordered and it's going to be good. So let's, let's close. I want to close with this verse. It matters here. This is the Apostle Paul writing in 1 Corinthians, the church in Corinth, 15, last, last verse of the chapter. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. If you begin the story in Genesis 3 and it's all about getting out of here, then who gives a rat's behind about anything that's happening here? We're basically just hanging around until we go somewhere else. Who cares about third world debt? Who cares about poverty or famine or acid rain? the hole in the ozone layer. Who cares? We're all going to just get out of here. It's all going to burn. And yet Paul says, no, 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 no. Give yourselves fully to the work, to the ordering, the naming, the participation, the physicality that is here because it's not in vain. There is some continuity. Just as you know that there's continuity when it says the old is gone and the new has come, where he says that, you are a new creation in Christ. Yes, I am new, but I'm also, I'm still me. I didn't, we don't all suddenly transform, lose all our memories, and get brand new bodies. There is some continuity. Some things, I believe, that are done in the Lord that, are in, that belong to the citizenship of this place, of the kingdom of God, will go on every act of kindness, compassion, every time you, you do business with integrity, every time you uphold justice and righteousness, these things all belong to the kingdom now and will go on. But if under the sermon you get this sense that the action is somewhere else in that other place and you're not involved in that kind of work, well, you know, I just have this regular job. I, I, uh, I manage a bank. Or I, you know, I, um, I just work at a newspaper. I'm not, in the, I'm not in the game. The action's somewhere else. Right? But I give my money to people that are in the game. I give my money to the church and they're in the game. I give my money to these missionaries. They're in the game. And maybe if I make enough money, then I can stop doing this job and get in the, where the action is. You ever thought that? Because you think they're separate. No. You are an ambassador of peace and reconciliation right where you sit. You mean you get to go to a job every day where there are people in pain and hurting, and you see these people and you get to tell them and be a source of light and hope and peace, a reclaiming of the order for them to witness each day? And you want to leave that? (laughs) No. You are an ambassador. And your work is not in vain. It's a changing the way the story starts in Genesis 1. You inaugurate and represent this kingdom that is coming, that is already bursting forth in the midst of this one. It's everywhere, but it's hidden, where death does not have the last word, where it's not about getting out of here, but it's about staying here and overcoming I don't know how else to say it. It matters here. Your life matters here. You are a part of an ongoing restoration, reconciliation, and renewal of all things. Let's pray. Lord, it's a lot to take in. And I... Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to have eyes to see that it's all right here. The action is here. It's in the physicality. It's in the kind word. It's in when I choose to love my wife, when I choose to be patient with my kids, when I choose not to fudge the numbers, when I choose to show mercy and grace and compassion, when I choose to get involved in the reconstruction, in the salvation of others, it's all right here. Lord, may we all be a part of the ongoing renewal and reconciliation of all things. And we thank you for these words, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Glory be to God. Uh, this is going to be something we're all going to be saying for a long time. Thousands of years from now, it's going to be a refrain we'll be saying. That's incredible. It's, it's mind-boggling. And we've heard it, trajectories matter. And John did such a beautiful job describing where humanity comes from, what we're about, how we're meant to flourish, that co-creative, redemptive participation with God in helping shalom, peace, helping each other flourish. And it may not be that um, taboo thing that we focus on getting rid of first, In order to flourish, it's flourish now in the little bit of way that you can and trust God to take care of that taboo thing along the way. I guess another way of saying this this is the cliche. You don't have to be perfect to start flourishing with God. Hear it and know it. And I want to read this passage And it's just another way of saying it, but it says it a lot better than I can. And it's taken from C.S. Lewis's Weight of Glory. So you've probably heard this before. You've been in the church a long time, but it's a good thing, and it's worth saying again. It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day... Be a creature which, if you say it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. Or else a horror and a corruption, such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are, in some degree, helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities right now. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings are maybe relationships, friendships with one another, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. They'll change, they'll go away. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit, immortal horrors, or everlasting splendors. I hope I can help you flourish in some way in those chance encounters that I might have with you. Tell me if I am or if I'm not. (laughs) And may we live that way as a community, a community eager to help the world flourish without having the world necessarily get rid of its taboo first, before starting to flourish. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.